Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. As we all learn to grow as a leader, one of the things that we learn is the ability to make things happen. We understand that being a good communicator exhibits a strong presence of trust and respect. Today, our topic is leadership presence. And I'm so lucky to have as my guest today, Dr. Brandy Stamper. Now, Dr. Brandy Stamper, renowned as a working mom whisperer, is a dynamic, inspirational figure in the realm of women empowerment and professional development. Originating from North Carolina, Dr. Stamper is not only a devoted wife and loving mother of two, but also an executive success coach and advocate for authentic living. With a rich background spanning over 15 years of higher education as an associate teacher professor, Dr. Stamper has empowered thousands to develop their leadership, personal and corporate communication skills. Her journey from a successful educational leader to a professional development success coach was fueled by her own experiences with burnout and her commitment to helping women navigate their paths to success without compromise. When I first met this person, I believe that we had such a great conversation. And I know I say this quite often, which is probably a good sign that I'm having good guests on. But this person, we just clicked And it was like we were old friends having a great conversation. And I said to myself, I have to get this person on here. I don't know what we got to do, but we got to get her on. And it's a pleasure to have her on today. Welcome to the show, Brandy. Such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. How are things with you on your end? How's the weather? How's work? How was summer? Vacation? How was everything? Oh, life is awesome. So school started back for the kiddos and just been uh, juggling, taking them to practices and doing homework while having the full time job and doing the family thing. Right. Juggling all those pieces and enjoying those pieces of life. And we're starting to go into fall. So we're starting to have some nice fall weather. We can go outside without sweating our everything off of our bodies. So we can go outside and enjoy the weather without the mosquitoes putting a bullseye on my leg being like, Ooh, she's out again. Let's get her. So that's really nice. So yeah, it's a beautiful change of pace, which is always awesome. I always welcome that a new season. So that's always beautiful to have different seasons. Yes, I totally agree with you. I am a summer guy. I love the summer, but I do fall for a particular reason. Everybody teases me that know me, but I am a blanket person when I'm sleeping. And when it's summertime, you can't use the blankets. I love it. Cool in the morning, warm during the day and cool at night. So when I go to sleep, it's cool. And that's just me. So I do the fall. I'm not a winter guy. I'm not a big fan of it. But in Canada here, we have to deal with it. But yes, that's that's where we're at. Yeah. And who says you can't have a blanket year round? No, you can have a blanket during summer if you want. <laughs> you can, but then you were just talking about sweating. I am not like a one blanket guy, Brandy. I'm like a two, three blanket guy. Um, okay, that's explainable. So the cooler that it is out, the thicker the blankets I like. And it's just, I don't know if it's comforting to me as I'm sleeping. I don't know what it is. I 
can't explain it, but it's just my wife calls me Linus because I'll carry a blanket around the house. <laughs> I'll carry one from downstairs to the couch to use that to watch TV. So she teases me a lot about that for sure. But I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a blanket guy. No complaints there. Not ashamed to say it. Yes. Good for you. Yes, yes, yes. So glad to hear that everything was going well. And did you guys get away for vacation? Like, Did you make, take any trips this summer or? Yeah, so we've had some really good trips. So this was my husband. This was our 15 year wedding anniversary this year. So we took a trip to Hawaii. Actually, we took a trip to Maui as well as Honolulu a month before the devastation that took place in Lahaina with those fires or with the who knows they haven't they said it's an electrical issue, but we haven't heard much more after that. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so we were there, took our family vacation to the beach. And then we've got another uh, beach vacation coming up and thanks. Thanksgiving. Yeah, we've had some wonderful time together and new memories and all the fun things. That sounds awesome. And congratulations on 15 years. That is awesome. Thank Um, you. It's pretty cool to hear when those things happen for sure. So congrats to you both. Thank you. So before we begin, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours? I don't know. Are we ever ready for anything? (laughs) I'm ready as I'll ever be. I think you'll enjoy this one. This is pretty cool. So my question is, if over time you replace parts on your car, at (laughs) one point, does it stop being the same car that you bought? How many parts do you need to replace to make it a new car? So there's two questions here. So the first question is, at what point is it no longer a new car? Right. At one point, does it stop being the same car that you bought? Ah, okay. So at what point uh, does it stop being the car that you bought? Here's the thing. My first gut reaction is your car is growing because it's changing, right? Just as a person, you are not the same person you were five minutes ago, 10 years ago, one year ago, right? So you're constantly changing. So there's new perspectives, in this case, possibly new parts, or it could be even a new air freshener. You might not smell the same (laughs) as you did last week because you've got pumpkin spice because it's fall versus during the summer, it's coconut. So I would have to say it's growing. And so every time you put in something new, you're just growing it to make it better, or it could be more productive, effective, insert whatever, but it's the idea of a positive growth, right? There's a reason why a new piece is going in. It's to further you in some way or further the car in some way, shape or form. And then the second piece was, you have to remind me the second question. Was how many parts do you need to replace to make it a new car? So it's like, how do you define new and what does new mean? I don't think I could put a number on how many different parts because that still goes back to the idea of it's about growth. And so it's a new car every time you provide a new piece with growth. And that's really like an outer type of appearance, I guess, when you think about pieces of a car. And it's not about the outer. For me, it's more about the inner, the authenticity piece. So I guess in my sense, it would be, uh, I guess it could be twofold. It could be like if the car is remaining true to itself in the in sense of the original purpose or the purpose that it's driven for, then it's never really a new car. It's more along the lines of a growing car. Yeah, that one's hard to answer. I really can't say about how many new pieces make the new car because it just changes. It could change the car. Doesn't that mean it's new? It could be that it's wiser. Could be that it has more miles on it. Because it has more miles, it could be more mature. And whereas the always the newer, bigger, better thing isn't always the best, right? So there's me blabbing. There you go. 
So I really didn't answer the question. That's me like beating around the bush being like, well, you could do that way. You do that way. You could do <laughs> no, you know what, Brady? I love your answer. I love the fact that you took it to growing, that the car is growing. I just love that. When I do these questions up, it's all impossible to guess, but I always <laughs> try to figure what type of answer that the guest is going to give. And I was not expecting that answer at all. <laughs> I didn't expect you to go deep <laughs> too deep into it. So I am very impressed not knowing what the question is or what was it going to be. The answer that you gave, I'm pretty impressed with. So you did, <laughs> that's the psycho. Yeah, that's the psychoanalytics that come out in me, right? Yeah. The psychoanalyzing. That's, <laughs> that's okay. You did a great job. I appreciate you having fun with me. And I just loved your answer. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. So why don't we start off our fun discussion with you telling us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah. Oh, where do I begin? I could start off when I was born and all those fun things, but we won't bore you with that, right? Really, we'll just start. I started in my undergrad, right? My undergrad years as a psychology major and communication major. And I really liked learning about human behavior and motivation and how to really help individuals combat whatever issues or things that they're going through, but mainly on an organizational level. So I've always been focused in the organizational context. And so once I finished out with my undergrad, I got to work for an organization where we really helped optimize individuals for their positions. So we really learned about their personality and took those pieces and how to better optimize them in a position. At the time, that's when I was young and woohoo, this is what to do. And then I was like, that's really not, it's not about personality. Like you're putting people into a box and people aren't meant to be in a box because we're very complex individuals. And so I went back and got my master's in communication studies because the way in which we communicate with one another and how we connect with one another is an extremely important role, especially within leadership. Went there and then I was asked to start teaching because as a master's student, you get to teach a few classes and they asked me to start teaching part time. And I was like, man, I love this because it was really taking young minds, helping mold them into strong leaders, strong communicators to really put them up like a step above than what someone had the ability to start off with, to give them that confidence, that empowerment, those different pieces. So loved it. And during that time, I am a high achiever, a very driven high achiever. And so I kept pushing myself for higher levels of success in higher education, but also just doing different like consulting pieces and all these other things. During this time, I'm married. I also had my young son and I was pregnant at the time. All right. So pregnant with my second child. Here's a fun one to show you how driven and I guess crazy I am in terms of being a high achiever. So I'm pregnant with our second child. I'm working full time. I'm also going back to graduate school for my doctorate. And my husband and I are building our house. When I say building, I don't mean we have a builder who's taking care of everything. We are out there painting. We are laying floors. We are hanging sheetrock. We are doing the whole kit caboodle. The only thing we subbed out was plumbing, heating and air and electrical. The rest was all us. (laughs) So I'm pouring footings, right? So footings are like the concrete pieces that hold where you start building the foundation. I'm pouring footings at eight months pregnant. And the the guys, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm working on my house. (laughs) But anyways, after I had my second child and earned my PhD and all those other pieces, I really hit a point of burnout. And when I talk about burnout, what I am referring to is this piece of 
what a lot of women, especially high achieving women and working mothers feel is that you have to mask yourself in order to feel successful or to be successful, especially in corporate and higher education is just like any corporate position. And, and because you mask yourself, you're not true to who you are. You feel like you have to hide the identity of being a mother, or you have to set things aside in order to sacrifice, to get those higher level echelons of higher education or whatever in the the corporate ladder, you lose yourself. Literally at 35, it looked like I had it all together, right? I had a successful career in leadership, great paycheck, loving family. But in the inside, I was just, there was no light. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was overwhelmed. I felt unfulfilled. I wasn't present with my children or my family. Like Mm -hmm. while we were sitting at the dinner table, I was too busy thinking about having to answer that email or having to take care of this and that. And so what I really come to discover was that success isn't about achieving goals, right? It is about being real to who you are, being present, conscious, being a conscious leader and empowered and empowered in all aspects of your life, both personally and professionally. And so it was right then when I had that realization that women, especially working mothers should not have to go through this. You should not have to feel guilty about being successful and sacrificing who you are as a person, but also sacrificing the precious moments that you have with your family Mm -hmm. as a way to climb that corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. And so that's really when I took a pivot, if you will, as a university professor and became an executive success coach, really um, specializing in working with women leaders, especially like working moms, because it's really about being connected to who you are and getting out of this autopilot. We have so many different things that are pulling our attention away to where we start to just react from this place of this is what's familiar. This is what I know. And it's almost like we feel disconnected from our bodies. And so how do you come to live authentically and have a healthy work-life integration or work-life balance, depending on which terminology you want to use. And how can you be confident in being who you are and still being that successful leader without having to compromise that, compromise who you are, like what matters most to you. And so that's really what brought me to become an executive success coach was women shouldn't have to do this. I went through it and I'm like, no, this isn't right. You shouldn't have to do this. And I really like to want to help women and enjoy helping women dispel or unmask, right? And really stand up for who they are and be unapologetic about it and being confident in that piece because they can be just as successful being the mother and doing the thing, but without having to compromise who they are. So that's my long story (laughs) and I'm sticking to it. First off, what a wonderful story. I love all the stuff that you packed in there. Some of the things that kind of caught my attention was when you're saying mask yourself, that is something that I hear a lot of people saying. And it's, I don't know if say sad, but it bothers me that people feel that way, that they have to mask or hide stuff that's going on personally with them. For example, a woman saying that they're having a child. I don't think it should be masked. I think it should be celebrated. You're bringing a life into the world. So I think it should be celebrated. And I don't think that you should be, I me personally uh, don't think that you should be penalized because you are becoming a mother. I don't think you should be penalized. It should go by your knowledge and your creativity and the things that you would bring 
forward to an organization rather than how long is that person going to be off because they're they're having a child. I, I really don't mm-hmm. think that's... I also want to talk about when you said that communicate is, is one of the most important things, and I definitely agree with that. I say this a lot, that as an organization, as far as in business, I don't think you can over-communicate. I believe that sometimes communication is lacking, and I think it's something that needs to be put forward and communicated with. And it's not just in the business world, I think in life as well. I think we have to be communicators and we have to know when to communicate and when to listen with pause. Because sometimes we're waiting to communicate what the other person's saying and we're preparing our response. But in some cases, the other person's not looking for a response. So we need to learn when to communicate or when to give our thoughts and when to listen with pause so that person because maybe they just want to just view or talk about what's on their mind and not have someone tell them what they think that they should do absolutely absolutely yeah and you mentioned so with a master's in communication we talk about this all the time when it comes to communication if you're most of us listen to respond and that's called and that's called listening to respond whereas you're calculating what you're going to say whereas just listening. So there's the act of hearing versus listening, right? Hearing is the biological piece that happens, right? Right. Whereas listening is actually where the comprehension takes place. And when you're listening for pause and you're just pausing to listen, to, to hear, to actually hear what they're saying and process, that is a whole nother level because we can actually even get deeper with that. We've all heard of active listening, but not very many people know how to actively listen. You can talk about it all day long, but active listening involves so much more than just actually hearing what the person says and paraphrasing it back to what the, what you think that you heard them say. It's more about understanding what's happening up underneath of what they're talking about. And that is a skill that can be learned. However, part of that skill comes from what we hear, again, in leadership, executive presence, leadership presence, all around the idea of uh, emotional intelligence or EQ. And so part of EQ, there's a lot of deep pieces within EQ that really the first step of it is authenticity. It's really about self-awareness and self-understanding because the whole idea about leadership presence, and I will get to that momentarily, but is about moving from ego into your essence. And so your essence is really coming to an alignment of who you are, understanding the why behind your behaviors and the why behind your motivations and having that basic understanding. That way you're not responding for ego. You're not responding. You're, you're not listening to respond. You're actually listening to comprehend because you are curious about what the other person is saying, what the other person is wanting. And you're almost like the idea of reading between the lines. And that takes practice. But when you have that very stable or really good foundation of self-awareness and having those pieces, that's when you can really start to move forward within your leadership presence and so forth. But yeah, absolutely. Communication plays a huge role in any type of leadership presence. I love the way that this conversation has started. Just that segue. I just love how it's going into our conversations. What I want to find out what your thoughts are, what leadership presence is. Yeah. All right. So in a nutshell, leadership presence is this embodiment of authenticity, balance, and confidence. And it's all coupled with this profound understanding of your intrinsic motivations and behaviors. 
It's really about leadership presence is about transcending the superficial aspects of leadership, like all those check boxes that we we hear about that we check off what makes a leader. But it's really delving into the essence of who we are, why we do what we do. So that way we can inspire and influence others positively. And part of that essence is built within that authenticity, which is that self-awareness. Once we are self-aware and we truly connect and understand who we are, we can then start working on that integration of balance. We can show others what work-life integration means and really be almost like a mentor, if you will, to others. So if I am a woman in a vice president role, And I have other women who are interested in higher leadership positions, really showing them that I can step into my feminine power and lead with a feminine presence and talk about, hey, I got to go pick my kids up at 3 p.m. and be unapologetic about it and say, I will be unavailable from three to four. I will get back to you afterwards and being confident in that piece, because that which is the other piece. So really illustrating that work-life balance or work-life integration and the confidence coming from that space of this is what it is. And I am just as effective or even more effective than XYZ. And I am confident in knowing that because I know who I am, what motivates me, and the why behind what I do. Okay. And When you have those three major pieces together and understanding, that's really where you can lead from from integrity and create an inclusive and empowering atmosphere. And really, you can understand and respect the diversity, right, of human motivations and behaviors, because the way I perceive something or the way in which I see success is vastly different than someone else from a different perspective. And to be able to understand that perspective? Do we have to agree with it? Absolutely not. It's okay to disagree. However, to be able to see from that perspective really helps you when we when we get to that emotional intelligence piece. So to sum up, leadership presence is really about the embodiment of authenticity, balance, and confidence. Those are the three major pieces of that. I love when you said integrated life. And it's funny that you say that because I've been saying this for a while because I'm in the mind that it's very hard to not go to work and think about home in some cases and not go home and think about work in some cases. I've been using integrated or starting to use that because there's no real balance, I think. So I definitely agree with you. You're trying to integrate both so that you're able to enjoy your home life. You mentioned your beautiful family and your husband. And so you're able to enjoy that when you're done your day. And I think that's super important. And I think that came from the pandemic too. I think people really cared about their families, but I really feel like the pandemic really made people think, wow, I missed bringing my kid to school and I really missed picking them up after it. I miss being home with them and doing schoolwork with them. I missed all that stuff. And then all of a sudden the pandemic's over and everybody's like, hey, now we got to go back to the way that things were before. And people were like, I don't want to go back to the way it was before. I'll come into work, but I want to bring my kid to school. And at three o'clock, I want to be able to take, pick up my kid. It opened up a lot. And I think when we talk about leadership presence, I believe that leaders have a big role in making sure that they have that presence so that their employees embody authenticity and confidence and balance as well. 
Absolutely. And you bring a great point about the pandemic. I think one additional positive piece of the pandemic was that I think as a society, we came to understand like when we work from home, working from home and what it's like to have children at home, especially for working mothers. And it it became okay to have your kids in the Zoom background, right? It wasn't as frowned upon because I remember doing Zoom meetings before the pandemic and at times feeling really bad if my son walked in the background. I'm like, no, don't show up. You're not supposed to be seen here. And so I really think um, that has been a a positive part of the pandemic in the sense that it it really gave everybody grace and understanding, which I hope that we continue to capitalize on that because Mm -hmm. it almost, in a sense, I don't want to say level the playing field, but it just gave everybody more of an awareness that this is life. Right. And you can't fully separate home from work. And it's like asking you to take away emotion or what's happening at home as soon as you walk through the door at work. And and that's impossible because that's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. And when you start closing off that part of your identity, that's where the burnout starts coming into play because you're masking yourself to fit into a mold of what we think is what a leader should be. And that's, not the case. Studies have shown people want a leader who is authentic because they feel like they can trust them more because they're true to who they are and they're unapologetic of talking about that. And at the same time, that leader, because they are self-aware, they know who they are. They also have a higher emotional intelligence because they can see that there is there are diversity of perspectives and they can respect those perspectives right. and work with those perspectives. Because it's not just about knowing who you are and being like, well, this is who I am. This is take it or leave it. That's not the case because that's very disintegrated. It's more about this is part of my motivation. This is part of, for example, I'm an uh, Enneagram specialist. So the Enneagram um, is a very different type of personality uh, tool because it really gets to the why of what you do and why you do things. And it doesn't necessarily put you in a box in the sense like MBTI, DISC and insights and all those other pieces, because what it does is it really just speaks to this is a core motivation or a core fear you have behind certain things. This is the why you do things in in the world in a certain way. And once you understand that, when you are, and you could say, okay, in times of stress, I tend to gravitate towards this particular wing and we won't go into fully into the Enneagram, but I tend to lean this way whenever I'm stressed, which is a very disintegrated way because it does in terms of what happens to my team members and leadership and so forth. So Where can I look on other aspects of the Enneagram that I can, in times of stress, utilize different tools and strategies to go to a higher side of integration? So that way that my team members were not in a frantic or they feel more empowered rather than disempowered. And so that's where we're talking about the self-awareness. It's not, this is who I am, take it or leave it. It's more of, this is my core motivation or typically how I communicate. I see that you have a different perspective or you communicate differently. Let's find a way in which we can work together because we have an understanding of one another. Mm-hmm. So that's that big piece because I really don't want people to take away that, oh, this is who I am. Let's just either ride or die this way. Mm-hmm. No, it's more about this is who I am. However, let's work and I can integrate in a way that we can work together and you can integrate as well. So I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this. How do leaders demonstrate their 
leadership presence. Yeah. So I probably sound like a broken record (laughs) in the sense I've I've alluded to a lot of it because I get ahead of myself all the time. I like get into something. I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep talking about it. But in general, leaders demonstrate that leadership presence by cultivating that self-awareness and deep understanding of the motivations and behaviors that drive them and those around them. This is the other, the flip side of the coin with Enneagram, if you will. Once you truly definitely understand yourself, the next piece is seeing that Others think differently than you. And even though we know this, even though I know you're a completely different person than me and that you think differently than me, still, sometimes we have rose colored glasses on, if you will. And we think that even though you're a different person, you're probably just as driven as I am. So you're probably going to do think about doing something this way. And again, not always, but in general, we tend to think people are more similar in terms of the ways of thinking because they're like, they're just as successful as I am. So they must be doing something very similar. Once we understand ourselves, we can then start to understand others through the pieces, for example, of the Enneagram because Enneagram has been around for, oh, it was even referenced back with Socrates. Then you can understand others around you and understand that when they, where they go in times of stress and that's where that emotional intelligence comes in. Okay, really that demonstrating leadership presence, self-awareness, once that self-awareness, you can inspire and connect with others. You can lead with that confidence and integrity, that effective communication and really foster an environment of mutual trust and respect. But it really starts at the core, just like when you're building a house, you have to have a strong foundation. If you do not have a strong foundation, everything else is going to fall apart eventually build it right the first time. Get started with that strong foundation of self-awareness because as you're demonstrating that presence, you can understand other people and you're building that confidence, the trust, the respect, and you're really valuing a diverse range of motivations and behaviors and really valuing the diversity of other people. Again, when we talk about diversity, we're not just talking about sex, gender, race, not those pieces. We're talking about the diversity of people being human beings. And as a leader, that's probably the number one thing that you can demonstrate is being able to understand the diversity of the human condition is, I think, the biggest way that you can demonstrate that piece, which there's so much you can do, but we'll leave it at that. I love what you're packing there and what you're talking about makes me think of the term diversity of thought, where there's more than one way of doing something. So, you know, you can have a leader where someone comes in. And they're innovative and they want to give ideas and the leader's like, no, we've done this before. No, I'm not interested in doing that or I don't think that's going to work or whatever. Because in their mind, they think that there's only one way to do it and they're going to continue to do it that way. And they're not willing to bat an eyelash or change their mind on that. I think it's important to understand that yes there is different ways of doing something and understanding that maybe you've been doing it a certain way for the longest time but there is another way to do it and maybe learning that way you might think oh you might realize that the other way is easier to do things than what you've been doing all these years absolutely so we might have delved this a little bit but i'd like to go a little bit more in depth on this what adversities do you think leaders face when it comes to leadership presence ah I think it's that lack of deep awareness and understanding of themselves, but also those around them. For example, when you were talking about a leader might say, 
this is the way we've always done things. And you have a team member who's coming up with all these new ideas. The thing is, is if you understand different perspectives and you understand that, okay, someone who might possibly come up with a bunch of different ideas, they might be more of like an Enneagram 7, which means that they have a very positive outlook. They like to come up with these different pieces and these different ideas, but it doesn't mean they want to take action on every single one of these ideas. It doesn't mean that. It just means that's part of one of their core motivations. Whereas someone who is, for example, a Enneagram 8, they're a visionary, but at the same time, they take charge. And some of that can lead to blind spots. So when we talk about, especially for executives, executives always want to know what their blind spots are. And that's where that deep self-awareness comes in. Like when my clients come in, they're always like, okay, I've checked boxes X, Y, and Z. I've reached this position within an organization, but now they want me to really develop my executive presence. And really executive presence and leadership presence is all about that deep self-awareness. So that way you can also have an understanding of those around you. So that way you can eliminate those barriers to communication, because typically what happens is there's misunderstandings. Like we talked about with communication, there's misalignments and then there's conflicts within teams. And so one way to remedy that or to When I say remedy, it's not going to mean that you're not going to have any conflict whatsoever. There's always going to be conflict. It's how you manage the conflict is what's so important. And so I think just to recap on that is that the, the major adversity that leaders face when it comes to leadership presence is that lack of deep awareness of understanding themselves so that then they can understand those around them. That's the big piece. So when you start again at that foundation... From there, you can start working and building the walls because then you're starting to understand this is the way I think. This is my core motivation. And someone who is from a different perspective thinks and has a a different core motivation here. If I'm here and they're here, what are some things that we can talk about? Or now that I understand the way in which they communicate, this is really that underlying, this is what they're getting at. And how can I make sure that when I'm listening, I am actually listening and pausing and reading between the lines from that piece. So that way, when we have that conversation, it is an effective conversation and we can move in a forward direction or productively in creating a very inclusive, impactful environment. I love everything you said there. I just love when you said deep awareness. I just think that a lot of leaders are not aware of their surroundings and they find themselves in situations where they don't know what's going on and they're not aware of how they're being seen by their team. And mm-hmm. it could be situations where they're stressed out and they're showing it. So then that's going to show their team that, okay, this is not a good time. And if he's feeling uneasy about this, then where are we as a group? Whereas if you're in a vulnerable state, you're showing that you are aware that you need to be a little bit more human and a little bit more genuine to show your team that, hey, I you know I am your leader, but I am also a person and I'm exactly like you. And I do have these good days and bad days. So I love when you said deep awareness, because depending on the situation, you have to be aware of your surroundings and what's going on and adapt to it. Because if you mm-hmm. don't, then things could falter pretty quick. 
Absolutely. So like another example would be if you were a leader who's considered a two on the Enneagram, that's someone called a considerate helper. Typically what happens is that as a leader, if someone presents a problem, you want to solve the problem for them and you immediately go into problem solving mode because typically twos have a very empathetic. And, but then the other person who's on the opposite end, that's not even what they wanted. They didn't necessarily want your help. And as a two, you have to understand that's your core motivation. And so you have to understand when to take a step back and be like, okay, this is the way I think, but this doesn't mean this is how someone else thinks. And so, for example, a tip I always give a two leader is if someone's telling you something, you ask, are you wanting me to give you a solution or are you just wanting me to listen? Mm. And they're just like, just listen. And then that right there, you're helping them in the sense of your understanding what they wanted out of the conversation, not just what you assume that they wanted because of your own strengths as a two. So I love that. Yeah. Absolutely love that. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, Brandy, what word would that be? Okay. I would say illuminating. My passion or mission is really to shine a light on the path of self-discovery and authentic living and just help individuals see and understand their own motivations, their own behaviors and their potential. So I really strive to illuminate that way for others so that they can lead more authentically, more balanced or integrated and confident and living from that space of that connectedness, both personally and professionally, not just separating one versus the other. I love that word for you. I don't think that you could pick a better word there. I definitely, from our conversations, I definitely would say you are very much illuminating to a T for sure. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. I would definitely also say you are very compassionate and open. When we first chatted you were very compassionate on the phone. You were compassionate to listen to my story. You're interested in my story. You're interested in me and what I've done. And I just love that. So I definitely would say compassionate for you, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Any final thoughts today? One, just thank you so much for having me on. I think this is awesome and I enjoy having these conversations. And it's funny when you ask for final thoughts, I really don't want to give a summary. I would want to know what would your answer be when it comes to the car question? Because now I'm curious. <laughs> Let's flip that and put that on surprise question from the guest. Sure. I did love your answer. I thought it was great. I think after a certain amount of time, it becomes a different car, but that's okay. But like you said, we all become different as far as individuals. We become different people as time goes on. So for myself, I can honestly say that the person that I was a year ago is not the same person that I am now. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've grown in many different aspects of my life, including one of the things that I always had on my mind was fear and mm -hmm. fear of what other people would think and other people's opinions and I let it stop me from doing a lot of things that I was interested in doing or thought about doing. And when I mentioned to my wife a year and a half ago, I think I want to try and do a podcast. And she thought it was such a great idea. She was surprised that I came up with that idea, but she thought it was a great idea. And I was talking to people who were very close to me. 
and Mm -hmm. they, let's just say they didn't think that it was a good idea or they didn't Mm -hmm. think that I had the will or the know-how to do it. Years ago, I would have been fearful to try this because of that, because of the fact of people close to me and would people be interested in listening to what I put out there? How do I sound? My voice, things like that I feared of. And now I don't because I got advice from somebody a while back. And it's amazing to me. It's somebody that I hardly knew or just, or just met. And they mm-hmm. told me, just do it. Just go out and mm-hmm. do it. And it doesn't matter what other people think. Just go out and do it. And if it's something that you want to do, then you'll make it work. And I'm glad Absolutely. that I did it. Because I think I would look back and say, what if? So, yeah, so I'd say that's probably as far as the answer to the car, my long-winded answer would be that (laughs) we change and we grow as time goes on. And I think the car would probably not be the same car, but it will grow as time goes on until the time where it can no longer grow. And then we have to move on to something new. Awesome. Yeah. Great answer. I love it. I love the fact that you threw this question back at me. I just love that. I think that's pretty cool. I thought that was great. Randy, I want to take the time to thank you so much for coming on today. Like I said, in our first conversation, you were accommodating. I know how busy schedule that you have. You were so accommodating to take the time to have a conversation with me over the phone. And I don't think I ever told you this before. But the one thing that I really remember from our first conversation was that you treated me like if it was somebody that you knew for a long time. In other words, you were so happy to hear from me and you were so genuinely happy to be having our conversation. So from that day, I just thought that was so kind of you to do that. Because there's not many people that would, there's people that would be kind, not many people would be as kind as you were in that first conversation and to be open to have a conversation with me not knowing me I just want to thank you for that and thank you for agreeing to come on I really enjoyed this conversation I think it was uplifting and empowering we talked about some very important stuff and I truly believe that the listeners got quite a bit out of it I know I did for myself for sure absolutely thank you so much Andrew I really appreciate that and I received that and I love talking to you it's awesome (laughs) I'm enjoying, even though like when we're messaging back and forth, sometimes on LinkedIn, I'm like, yeah, good day. Cause it's hard for me to message back and forth sometimes. No, and, <laughs> that's, and, and that's okay. And that's okay. But I did want to say that I do appreciate you and I'm positive that the audience is going to enjoy this conversation. Absolutely. And if they ever want to know anything else, I'm on LinkedIn. You can message me on LinkedIn, but also you've got my website, brandystamper.com and they can please feel free to email me or schedule a call and be happy to chat. And just so you know, just like always, I will be posting Brandy's information to get in touch with her on LinkedIn and all the other ways that you can reach her. So I'll be posting those in the show notes as well. And I definitely Absolutely. encourage you to contact her. I know that you will enjoy a conversation with her for sure. On behalf of myself and my guest, Brandy, I'd like to thank you all for taking the time to listen to us today. Until next time, be safe and remember that if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 